Lone Wolf. This is Wolf Den. It's Rambo, sir. We read you, Lone Wolf. What is your position? Over. John Rambo. Helicopter and language qualified. Expert in light weapons and guerrilla warfare. You don't seem to want to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert, with a man who's the best. With guns, with knives, with his bare hands. In Vietnam, his job was to dispose of enemy personnel. To kill. Period. Well, Rambo was the best. He has demolished an American town and survived missions in Vietnam, Afghanistan, and Burma. Now he faces his biggest challenge. The now-playing Rambo retrospective series. You wish to test your strength. Good. Taking on Rambo will be Jacob. What you choose to call hell, he goes home. Brock. I'd just like to say that I feel with your participation, this mission has a better than average chance to succeed where others will fail. And Arnie. Who are you? Who am you? They will draw first blood and review all four Rambo films. Others people to satisfy, questions that have to be answered. These conversations will reveal top-secret information and contain harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. I didn't come here to rescue Rambo from you. I came here to rescue you from him. Today we're talking about Rambo. Haven't we been talking about Rambo? I I know, it's so weird. Starring Sylvester Stallone, Julie Benz, Matthew Mardson, Graham McTavish, Jake Labatz, Tim Kang, and directed by Sylvester Stallone. This is Brock, co-host of Now Playing. This is Jacob in L.A. This is Arnie. Live for nothing or podcast for something. (laughs) See, I thought you were going to go for uh, (laughs) when you're pushed, podcasting is as easy as breathing. That wasn't in the theatrical cut, though. That was really? in the trailer. It was in the director's cut. I, I was trying to be a purist. That that Are you serious? That's not in the theatrical cut. That is correct. Because that's like a huge, like, I didn't see this movie until I watched it for now playing, but I've heard people repeat that line. It was in the trailer. Okay. But the big line is live for nothing or die for something. That's the line. That's like a line that the real Burmese people have taken as their mantra from this film. I thought the movie was banned in Burma. Yes, and you can be killed and raped, but yes. (laughs) The rebels have bootlegs of it. They don't have running water, but they have internet. (laughs) Priorities, man. They have BitTorrent, but not (laughs) (laughs) So this is the final, for now, or final movie in the Rambo series. We believe it to be final, final. Otherwise, we'd hold off for that Rambo versus Predator that they were promising. And this takes place 20 years after. I didn't say the beginning of the movie, Arnie, how long it was. But I'm taking it to be 20 years based on it's been 20 years since the last movie came out. And and Stallone does not have the same physique that he did in 88 or 85 or even 82. Not just the physique. The man looks different. Has he had some work done? It looks like he's had a bad, like, plastic surgery gone horribly wrong. There is something wrong with his face in this movie. It was, like, melting or something. (laughs) We were talking in Rambo 2 about how they said he was part Native American, and according to Wiki, he's not. But I swear he looks Native American in this film a lot of the time, with the facial features and the hair. I thought the hair may not have been his own, but I just thought his face is aged naturally. Well, he, he looked totally different. 
And I saw him this year at Comic Con. So unless he got you know a facelift in the last couple of years, he did not look the way he looks in this film. And I'm pretty sure he never takes the shirt off in this film. So I, I don't know if he's hiding a gut or what. He, <laughs> he just that's always a bad sign when your action star isn't. I I know I'm advocating men removing their shirts, but that's a bad sign in an action movie. Well, to the point. Yeah, I completely agree. Rambo never was known for his modesty. <laughs> he always found a way to be in like at least a tank top. Yeah, he's in a t-shirt the whole time. And but he had already done Rocky Balboa at this point. And obviously he was shirtless in that one. And, you know, for his age, he looked fantastic. He really did. You know, and, and I didn't really obviously it wasn't as cut as he was back in the 80s for Rocky Balboa. But he certainly was in good form. This I think he filmed this right afterwards because of the success of Rocky Balboa. I could be mistaken about that. According to all of the supplemental features, this was actually in production, greenlit, moving forward before Rocky Balboa. They had some problems figuring out what they were doing with the script. Stallone went to do Rocky Balboa, then returned to this. So this was actually completely, the gears were in motion. It had already been sold to distributors before Rocky Balboa. But yeah, everybody thinks it's because of Rocky Balboa, and I'm inclined to agree with it somewhat. There has to be some correlation. Well, they did the same thing for the name. I mean, the Rocky series went to Rocky Balboa. This went to Rambo, and there's no four or anything after, just Rambo. I mean, he it was, like he's just going for the same effect uh, that he did with Rocky, with the naming, with everything. But they were going to call it Rambo to Hell and Back, but then everyone started laughing at what a lame name it was. So they dropped it to Hell <laughs> it and Back. It is a lame name. <laughs> I think John Rambo sounds pretty bad, too, by the way, though. Well, this one's just Rambo. They change, you know, it's got a lot of names. And John Rambo is what they put on the director's cut DVD Blu-ray, which is the second Blu-ray they've released of this movie in two years. Well, he calls for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Stallone didn't want to do that because Rocky Balboa was the last Rocky film. He didn't want people to think this was the last Rambo film. He's got to keep one cash cow alive. Why don't we start with the plot summary and then get right into the movie? When the movie opens, Rambo still lives in Thailand, as we saw in Rambo 3. Only now he lives as a boatman, capturing snakes and selling them to snake fighters. He's approached by a group of missionaries led by Michael Burnett, who ask Rambo for transport into Burma, where they wish to provide medical aid to the Karen tribespeople oppressed by the Burmese government. Rambo dismisses the mercenaries, feeling that they'll be of no help to anyone and just get themselves killed, but he's convinced by Sarah Miller, played by Julie Benz, to take them. On the trip, they're stopped by pirates who try to take Sarah, so Rambo kills the pirates, much to Michael's dismay. Rambo delivers the missionaries, but they're not in the village long before the Tat Madau, led by Major Tint, attack the village, killing most of the people, raping the women, and killing some of the missionaries, and capturing the rest, including Sarah and Michael. The group's pastor visits Rambo, saying they have not returned, and the pastor has hired a group of mercenaries led by British SAS hothead Lewis, played by Graham McTavish, and also including sniper Schoolboy. The pastor wants Rambo to take the mercs to where he took the missionaries so the mercs can try to rescue them, and Rambo agrees. He tries to go with the mercs, but Lewis dismisses him as a boatman and leaves him behind. At the refugee camp, soldiers return to kill some captives, and the mercs are almost discovered, but Rambo comes with his bow and arrow and kills the troops. He joins the mercs as they go to the Tatmadaw camp, where they rescue most of the missionaries, but Sarah is held apart from the others. Lewis and the mercs leave Rambo and Sarah, but Schoolboy stays behind to help Rambo. Rambo rescues Sarah and meets up with Schoolboy, but the troops are hot on their heels. Rambo splits up with the other two, drawing the dogs after him, and sets a claymore on an old bomb in the woods, creating a massive explosion. Schoolboy and Sarah return to the boat to see the other mercs and missionaries captured, 
Lou is having stepped on a landmine and tearing up his leg. Schoolboy can't take them all out alone, but then Rambo takes the troops' 50 caliber machine gun and kills most of the troops, and then uses his knife to gut Major Tint. Rambo, the mercs, and the missionaries then return to Thailand, and inspired by Sarah, Rambo goes back to visit his father in Arizona. On a farm. On a farm, which... In Arizona. Yes. I didn't know they had farms in Arizona. There's nice parts of Arizona where it's not desert. I Clearly. <laughs> but I, I don't know about any farmers in Arizona. All right. So the movie opens up with news footage. See, it seems to me like they're trying to do a Rambo 3 again. After the failure of Rambo 3, I don't know why they'd want to do another Rambo 3. But they're again going on some terrible worldwide conflict that Americans know nothing about. And the filmmakers realize we know nothing about it. So we have all these news clips. And as if it's not bad enough that they know the Americans don't know about it. They don't even bother getting an American to narrate them. These are like BBC clips or something because no American would even speak of Burma because we're too busy with our own wars. Well, I, th I think I know why they threw this footage in here because Stallone even said he, he tried to make up this excuse because we're going to get into the violence of this film. Well, I feel he's trying to justify it by saying, well, we wanted to bring more awareness to the situation in Burma and educate the masses through an extremely gratuitous a violent movie and i guess at least we didn't have 40 minute uh, national geographic documentary which i appreciated i liked how you know we talked about the efficiency of part two to get to the action i liked how efficient just show some newsreels to get there but I, I think that's why that footage is thrown in there because stallone wanted to justify the violence in this film i think he wanted to demonstrate and keeping it as violent throughout the movie i think he really wants to bring light to the fact that this kind of violence is actually happening in our world and combining it with news footage combined with the fictional violence in the movie is supposed to bring that point to a head in our minds and while that's all fine well and good it just seems to me that he kept it going throughout the entire movie so then including the news footage although it's good to have a, a basis in the real world seemed a tad bit redundant but uh, i see why he did it well Jacob, did you listen to the director's commentary then? Because that's exactly what he says on one of these myriad of special features. No, I read Wikipedia. Okay, well, he, he's, <laughs> he says that on the special features, too. But here's the thing I got. I mean, I have, for now playing, immersed myself in the special features of Rambo's Blu-ray. And honestly, I think that the filmmakers don't understand the conflict in Burma much more than the average American person. They know, oh, travesty. Oh, it's bad. The government's killing people. Okay, we're going to use that as a setting for a movie. But they don't bother getting into the whys. You know, in, in the travel doc we saw of Afghanistan last time, at least they got into the history of the violence and the who's who and why they're fighting. Here, we see missionaries going to visit the rebels, the Tat Madao, but... Really, the movie never bothers telling us who these rebels are, what they're rebelling against. They're rebelling against the government. It's shorthand. We don't need to know. They don't need to know. So their excuse is they want to draw attention to the plight of Burma, but they don't want to bother going into it at all. And the other thing, you know, we've t again, this been a common theme throughout all these Rambo movies is rah, rah, America. And I felt really that was their point. We're going to show these the Burmese government as evil as possible. During the news footage, they talk about how it's the poor Christian farmers that are, are being attacked by the government. The Christian missionaries going in. The woman, you don't get much more Aryan looking than her. You know, the very white, blonde hair, very American looking. You know, it just seems like we're going to throw everything 
at the Burmese government just to make them look evil. They're killing the Christians. They're killing the white American Christians. They're evil. And it just seems to be playing up to that, you know, I guess some of the less noble tendencies of uh, the American population. I'm all for raising awareness for these types of things. And from, from what my research has gathered, sadly, I'm, I'm not as up on the Burmese situation as I, I wish I was. But from what I can tell, the depictions of some of the travesties occurring here were not all that far-fetched. The using prisoners for sport and then killing them, the, the rapes, the travesties are all very based in reality. Yeah, it, it seemed that way to me. And I got that off the movie, too, without listening to the commentary. And I read Wikipedia after I saw the movie. But while watching the movie, I got the impression the violence was there to prove a point that Stallone was trying to make. And while I think showing the violence, like when they mowed down the entire village, my mouth was agape while watching this. And I was like, holy cow. And then it kept on going, just like it does in real life. It doesn't stop in real life. And so uh, how much more of I mean, how much throughout the movie is he going to do that? And so to have a movie like this do it, I found to be very interesting as well. Why this movie, why this character, if you're going to try to make the same thing you did last movie, you're trying to do it now for modern audiences, it was like a leap forward. It was like times 10. Well, 20 years have passed. And in between, I, I got to thinking, you know, when I first saw this movie, I saw it right when it was new on Blu-ray. And, you know, this is a Lionsgate picture. And I'm like, wow, they, they're really amping up the horror because I associate Lionsgate with things like Saw. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, we've got this Saw level of violence. But when I watched it this time, I was actually reminded of Saving Private Ryan in a lot of ways, the way that this war picture is shot. I think. No, that, this is this is way more extreme than Saving Private Ryan. It's more extreme, but it's that level of horrible reality, the unflinching and kind of washed out look. I think that they were trying to go with a modern day Saving Private Ryan. And yes, this is more gory, but keep in mind, we have worse weapons of destruction these days. We do have bullets that will sever limbs that weren't so common storming the beach of Normandy. Well, and here's the I got some relatives that are really into hunting. One of my cousins, they had twins named him Gunner and Hunter. I kid you not. (laughs) But before I'd even ever seen this movie, we're sitting around talking just about movies and they brought up Rambo and they said, you know, if you want to see a real depiction of what it's like to get shot with a bullet, you watch Rambo. That's how it is. And I'm I'm willing to take their word as they've shot a lot of stuff. And you mean this <laughs> Rambo, not yeah. Th- I mean Rambo four to hell and back, John Rambo, whatever. <laughs> we're calling it. There's a lot of realism, you know, with the whole Burmese thing. I'm sure the violence here is, is based in reality. Here's my problem, though. Rambo is not Saving Private Ryan. Rambo is not Schindler's List. <laughs> Those movies are a step above the first five minutes where we get the news footage. I thought, you know, that's what I needed to know about Burma. There we go. I didn't need another, you know, 70, 80 minutes of extreme violence if the point of this movie was to show me how horrible the Burmese government was. And again, it's Rambo. The main point of a Rambo movie is not to educate. Again, this isn't Saving Private Ryan. This isn't Schindler's List. It's not that type of movie. The main point of a Rambo movie is to entertain. And it does that through violence. I, I'm going to disagree with you. I think that all of the Rambo movies from First Blood on have had their educational bit. They've all had a social conscience. First Blood 
the novel on which the movie was based and the movie itself was about the plight of the Vietnam vet who returned home and was a disaffected individual suffering from post-traumatic stress and being attacked by their countrymen. And and I, I agree with you on that one. I'm not giving you the other two. Rambo 2 was about the POWs MIA in Vietnam. Now, we can write that off as fiction because none were ever found, but that was a big thing that Rambo 2 was trying to draw attention to, was that issue. And Rambo 3, they're trying to draw issue to Afghanistan. In every case, they're taking something that a group of people think about, but isn't perhaps in the mass consciousness, and trying to draw attention to it. Did they succeed? Listen to our previous podcasts. But they tried every time to educate and entertain, I dare say. I never crossed my mind, Arnie, of Saving Private Ryan. This is not the same kind of movie. But it did cross my mind about the social consciousness thing. It certainly did. And Rambo does have that. But Jacob's right in that at the base of every Rambo movie, regardless of the social commentaries that it's having, is to entertain and to entertain the audience. And this one is in a gray area between education and and entertainment. I I disagree. This one doesn't try to educate. The last one tried to educate. You don't think this one tried to educate at all by the by the extreme violence about of all the entire time of the violence? I thought he was trying to hit the point home of these kind of violence in this in this part of the world actually happens. People like these people are getting killed by these army militia, these army men who run the country. That's educational, and he constantly hits you over the head with it by constantly showing you these people getting mowed down. This is also a post-9-11 movie. The public is just more knowledgeable about this kind of violence going on, and I think this movie, it's more exploitive than anything. I disagree with both of you. I don't think that just because you depict violence realistically, yes, he says in the documentary that it's there to hammer the point home, and you apparently got that, Brock, but I think that after a certain point, it becomes entertainment. The way it's used is entertaining. It's not educational. They don't go deep enough into the Burmese conflict to educate. All they can say is war is bad, which is something that Rambo always says. And I don't necessarily think it's exploitive so much as it's just, this is kind of what R-rated films are today. Is it exploitation? I I just think it's trying to ramp up the action to appease its core audience while still trying to say, hey guys, when you leave here, hit Wikipedia about Burma. Arnie, you know how we talked about in the Rob Zombie House of a Thousand Corpses, and we talked about it in Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween, that it gets to a certain point where I think it's too much, where his point has been made, but move on. Here, surprisingly, that did not happen to me as much, but it certainly crossed my mind that his points were being made and he kept on making them over and over again by showing us newer and creative ways to show us limbs getting blown off or people dying. And while later in the movie when he's on that big 50 caliber machine gun, it feels completely different than it does when the army is destroying the town. It feels different in your mind. And if you want to go with the term more entertaining at the end because the bad guys are getting it instead of these villagers, fine. I did find some, and we'll talk about the battle later on, but exploitation I didn't get. It was uncomfortable, but never at one point was I like when I was with the Raz Ali movies that I was thinking, maybe I don't want to watch any more of this. I couldn't stop watching this. But was I entertained by it, by the extreme ultraviolence? That's a stretch. Entertained? I don't know. Entertained has a number of meanings. I mean, I'm not going to say I was entertained like I went to a carnival and watched a clown juggle. (laughs) And I mean, you know, 
Yeah, rape that Burmese bitch. Yeah. You know, it's not that kind of entertaining, but it's engrossing and it does what movies should do. You know, movies don't always have to entertain by putting a smile on your face. Movies can entertain while you go, that's bad. You know what I'm saying? I completely understand. As long as it's well paced and everything else, it can entertain. Dramas should be entertaining. When I walk out of any movie, I want to be entertained as well as possibly moved. Either moved to laughter, moved to tears, whatever. But I always want to be entertained. If a movie doesn't entertain me, it's just poorly paced or poorly made. I, I think this movie entertained. But yeah, what you see here is horrible horrible shit yes and it's depicted so realistically yeah from what i know i mean i've never been there but you've never raped a burmese bitch correct (laughs) i I, i've never shot a four-year-old so i'm guessing this is a realistic depiction but it's so brutal and i want to be very clear i'm not laughing at women getting raped in burma i'm laughing at jacob's timing on that line just might be very clear about that (laughs) i mean i mean for me again I go into this as a Rambo film and because I like comic book. Here's my comic book analogy. The 90s in, in the comic book world were known as the grim and gritty era where we're going to take all these superheroes that run around in their underwear, brightly colored underwear, and we're going to start introducing rape and gratuitous violence and because that's what sold in the 90s. The Dark Knight effect. Yeah, and, and Spawn, you know, superheroes from hell. And I don't know. For me, I go into this. This is 80s Rambo, almost cartoonish type violence. So I go into this. I don't know if I want to. This might sound weird. I don't want a grim and gritty Rambo. I don't see Rambo one through three as this grim and gritty thing, as odd as that sounds for a a Vietnam vet going to war type movie. This just takes it a step. You know, I, I, I listen to all the now playing podcasts when you guys talk about these horror reboots, how, you know, they really push some of the gore and the violence. And that's how I felt. And I just I don't know if I like that from something that I associate with the 80s and those kind of action film cliches in the way they portrayed violence and in action. Well, keep in mind, back then, people were having outcries because Rambo 2 had the huge number of deaths and Rambo 3 had the Guinness World Record number of deaths and people were upset by this level of violence. But now we're more sophisticated. But back then, I think those movies shocked and now we look at them and they're like quaint. And so this movie is the modern depiction of the Rambo film. I remember the last podcast, I said something about the backlash of Rambo 2, why maybe Rambo 3 was a little softer. I was referring to exactly that, Arnie, was the people's impressions of what violence was in the Rambo movies. Well, it's just like a time machine to 20 years later, because they would have looked at this one and been like, yeah, it's okay. That Rambo 2 is okay. Uh, this went a little different. I, I mentioned Lionsgate films. I've got to wonder how much of an influence they had on this. I mean, listening to the comments commentaries and all that, you get the impression this was all Stallone's doing, but this is the same company that made the Punisher Warzone and makes the Saw films, or at least distributes all this, and they all have that same kind of splatter to them, you know? There is no doubt that in addition to being horrific, part of the reason these are there are for young adults to go, oh, that head blew up, cool. There can't be any denying that it's there to tittle it. And, and maybe it is a generational thing. You know, you had the big disagreement with Stewart with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What kind of aesthetic you like? And this just isn't my aesthetic. This isn't the stuff I grew up with. And it's just it's something that doesn't appeal to me. But, yeah, I totally agree. You know, people a generation down. This is what they've grown up with. This is what they expect. That, yeah, they want this. They will not be happy 
if a bullet hits somebody and the only thing they get is they clutch their stomach and fall down. Now, again, part of the realism, when I first watched this movie, my jaw hit the ground because somebody's hit with a bullet and they don't fall. Instead, their leg flies across the screen. And I'm like, fuck me. But then I got thinking, I'm like, well, you know, you see all these people coming home from Afghanistan and coming home from Iraq and they're missing limbs and they're not stepping on landmines. So where are these limbs going? So per- perhaps this is very realistic. There's a couple of shots where blood splatters on the screen from people's heads or arms, you know, on the camera lens, quote unquote, obviously CGI, but it certainly was effective nonetheless when the guy's head was blown off. They also did that with mud one time. They're really kind of going for this embedded documentary film style. And the washed out certainly added something to all of this, what you, as you called out earlier. There's a difference, though, with this choice. of Stallone directed this, and he, I'm, I assume he wrote it, right? He wrote part of it, if not all of it. He always wrote them, and again, yet another director failed, <laughs> and Stallone had to step up this time. But Stallone then set up all these shots of the violence and he chose this time instead of having someone get shot in the head, he actually chose for every time someone gets shot to have the blood fly out the back or show the squibs. I mean, uh, the squib budget on this must have been insane. Do you think they still have squibs? I think this is all CGI at this point. All of it? Well, a, a lot of the people getting hit. There's no squibs on people anymore. I well, mean, they had the body shots. Certainly, when the people were down the ground, I thought they were all squibs. But with the, obviously the body, with the arms and the heads and all that stuff, was all CGI done, of course. Yeah. And so I found it very interesting that instead of giving us the taste of the ultra violence, if you will, use let me use the term, and then. Proving his point, he kept on going. And then later in the movie, maybe because he wanted to show them get mowed down later on in such an extreme way as to when they were doing it to the villagers, that's why he didn't stop the violence in between the same way. Because there's also, this movie is very well shot in a lot of different ways. The boat scenes and things like that. There are a lot of good choices he made here as a director. There's one shot when people are walking on the bridge and it pans down and he's underneath them. There's really some nice stuff here. But as a director, he chose every single time to show the violence that way. And I was wondering why. But I couldn't get out of my head that this is Sylvester Stallone. And he's never done anything like this before. Ever. Did you guys at all remember for a minute that this is Sylvester Stallone doing this? Never got it out of my head. But I I mean, this is the current aesthetic for the same age of audience that was eating up Rambo 2. I just took it as this is what the kids want. But he made Rocky Balboa before he filmed this. And Rocky Balboa is closer to Rocky than Rocky 4. Mm-hmm. But this isn't Rocky Balboa. I don't go into Rocky wanting to see people's heads explode. But you, you, know, you would want to see a, a, a boxing match that I, is... I would like to see a boxing match where they actually use defense every once in a while and, and put the gloves <laughs> up, walk a shot. But but you know, I go into a Rambo movie. I'm again, my primary reason if I chose to go into a Rambo movie would be to see people die. You know, like what Arnie's saying. It's you know, like a slasher movie or a horror movie. I mean, you go in there. Let's let's see some people get it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's one step away from what Stewart always says about the horror films identifying with the killer. Here, you've made the killer the great American hero. I couldn't get the term horror movie out of my head while I was watching. So, yeah. And part of the reason I couldn't get it out of my head was the lead actress in this, Julie Benz. Mm-hmm. Jacob, you remember Julie Benz, don't you, from Saw? She looked familiar. 
She was in Saw 5 as the girl who got her hand slid up the arm. Okay, yep. I know her from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and every time I see her in a feature film, I'm always shocked because she's now on that show, No Ordinary Family, and TV seems like the perfect home for Julie Benz. So every time she's on a big screen, I'm shocked. But she must have had a contract with Lionsgate because she had Saw 5, Rambo, and The Punisher Warzone. She was also in Dexter. Again, small screen, fits her. And she plays Sarah, the missionary going to Burma. Now, I realized that I think the movie's trying to tell us these are good people because they're trying to go help the rebels. All I could get in my head was what Rambo was thinking. You fucking idiots, you're going to Burma. I totally agree. I don't know why he ever gave in. They're idiots. They're okay. stupid. He, he found They're her, morons. He, he found her attractive. That's the only thing I could, only reason I could think that he actually agreed to bring these people up there. Because I agree with you too. I thought they were all stupid for wanting to go in there. I mean, I understand they're doctors. Doctors are needed in bad yes. places. But you know what? Burma. You know, it's like you are a bunch of white suburbanites going to Burma. This is not like Euro Disney. Well, I don't. I, I agree with you that there's doctors are needed in all these places, but there are many dangerous places to go that that they can still go and and help people who need it. But this the Burma violence is a little bit different here. Okay, it's not like going into Africa where it's uh, plagues. This is different. I admire that in a way, but on the other hand, I'm like, you guys are not thinking straight. You really shouldn't go there. The one guy was like playing Russian roulette because he's like, this is my fifth trip. You survived it four times. Maybe that could lead to a sense of security, but I would keep thinking you keep pulling that trigger. Eventually, there's a bullet. Well, there's people who climb Mount Everest over and over again, right? It's very dangerous to do that. True, but I would rather climb Mount Everest than go to Burma. (laughs) There's nobody out to get me on Mount Everest. Mount Everest is you against nature. Yeah, I, I just, I couldn't feel sympathy for them. I just kept thinking like, you know, I, I would greatly respect anyone who tried it, but I think you need to be a little bit more prepared. And if you go to Burma, I don't think you expect to come back. Now, full disclosure, my sister went to Iraq on work just a couple weeks ago. And my whole family was like, it's Iraq. What are you doing? And she's back home now. But we all were like, you're a fucking idiot. You're going to Iraq. See ya. Nice knowing ya. You know, we, we said our goodbyes because she was going to Iraq. And Burma, worse than Iraq. And what confuses me even more is you get this scene where Rambo finally decides to take them and they get held up by pirates. Rambo ends up shooting all the pirates. And like this head missionary is like, taking a life is never right. I'm like, you've been to Burma five times. You see what you're up against and you're pissed off that Rambo shot some pirates that were going to probably kill and rape all of you anyway. Their whole motivation, it just didn't make sense to me. It's like, we need to get them there somehow. This guy had his head so far up his yeah. ass. I mean, admittedly, I, I on the one hand, I go with it because he's a missionary, right? What's he there to do? Spread the word of Christian God. And so he's going to do this everywhere, right? He's not going to wait till he gets to the village to spout his doctrine. But by the same token, Rod, you don't realize this. It was in the deleted scenes and reinstated in the main cut. He was engaged to Sarah. Michael and Sarah were engaged. I knew they were a couple. I didn't know they were engaged. Oh, I didn't even realize they were a couple watching the original theatrical cuts. I got that he was kind of interested, but I also got that, like, she and Rambo were kind of something. So when I see that they're engaged and Rambo's like, they were going to rape her 50 times, 
you'd think that you'd got to put your fiance above five rapist pirates. Yeah. Now, Rambo takes out the pirates with the handgun. It's the first time we see Rambo kill people with a handgun. I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know, he's killed people with everything from sticks to bows to... But not a handgun, which is so unlike Rambo, but yeah. He rams tanks into people. <laughs> I, I, I gotta think there was a handgun in there somewhere. I know he held a handgun in the first movie, remember, because he was going to kill himself with it. But yeah. he didn't, I don't think he shot it. So he killed people with a handgun. I'm like, holy cow, what a pedestrian weapon for <laughs> Rambo to kill people with. <laughs> can, can I just say, though, I went with this scene so much. And I, I kind of thought of it. And I'm like, my immediate reference was Rambo 2. Because he kills all these pirates and nobody's hurt. And I'm like, is this like Rambo 2 where, you know, they couldn't hit him with anything? But then I'm like, you know what? I think that he had such the element of surprise. They sold this to me. They sold to me that he could kill five pirates before they could get a shot. It totally surprised me because it never showed that he had a handgun. And I kept wondering, I'm like, when's he going to go for one of them and grab their guns and shoot them? Or he's going to pull out, a, you know, a hidden machine gun or bazooka uh, as he usually does on a on a pirate ship. So, yeah, it totally shocked me. And so if it surprised me, it had to surprise those pirates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were surprised. I also got me too, but I loved right before he killed him, he sized up the situation. Did you see that with his eyes? Yeah, he kind of reminded me of RoboCop. I just waited to see the targeting computer. Yes, but it was really, I, I agree with you completely. This scene had me completely. It was a really well done scene, and uh, it was really fun to watch that one. You know what I like about this is they actually spend the time in the movie to have Rambo go back and burn it and cover up the evidence. Because you never see that in a Rambo film. I, I'm glad that they added that level of reality. Like, if these people find out, Rambo and the missionaries are all going to be fucked. See, I wish that would have just played out more, though. Because I'm like, okay, he's going back. He's covering it up because Michael's like, we're going to have to report this, you know, that you killed these pirates. So I thought maybe that's why Rambo was going back just to cover up the evidence. I don't know. I, I didn't really know what the point of that scene was, except I thought Rambo was just covering his tracks. So he doesn't get arrested by the Burmese while he's in Thailand. I, but none of it made sense to me. I thought he was covering it up because you don't fuck with the Burmese and you don't want to do anything to draw your attention to yourself with the Burmese. And you see why. I mean, realistically, in all these Rambo films, this is the first time you have a villain that people are actually afraid of. I mean, later on in the movie, you get this whole badass team of mercs, right? And the Burmese show up and they're like hiding. Like, fuck, the Burmese, what do we do? Well, the head Burmese guy. Tint. Major Tint. I didn't even catch his name at all. I just know that he's a cigarette smoking guy. That's how you know he's bad. Yeah, exactly. Character development by cigarettes. It's not bad enough that he leads the Burmese and he kills the children. He rapes little boys. Yeah, that I didn't yeah. like that. They're like, he's so evil. Not only does he have sex with children, but he has homosexual sex. Like, that's even worse than having sex with the little girls being gay like that. That's the kind of stuff I just didn't like about this movie. It's where they just pushed it too far. I don't know if that was it. I think it was just, you know, he's a child molester. I don't think that they were necessarily going homosexuality on that one. I think it was just the pure pedophilia. And realistically, I mean, in different strokes, the uh, guy owning the bicycle shop wasn't after Kimberly. He was after Dudley. So I, I think that's just the stereotype of pedophiles. They touch I can't believe boys. you just yeah. appeared. Your your point may be valid. Yeah, general with the bicycle shop owner. I, your your point may be valid, but you lost me on using different strokes to back it up. I just I Rambo, thought it was Arnold. It's pretty much the same. It's, <laughs> we we talk about Arnie. I mean, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> both you know, different strokes of Rambo. Both eighties icons. Yes, true, true. <laughs> 
So when we find Rambo at the start of this movie, he's really antisocial. He's hostile to everyone. I actually kind of felt bad for this guy. Like, you know, at the end of Rambo 3, we see him and Troutman going off and Rambo was happy in Rambo 3. Now it's saddened me because it's saying that the Vietnam vets will never be able to rise above the horror they experienced and they're just doomed to lives of misery and sorrow. At this point, though, Arnie, don't you think he's self-inflicting it? Can he go back to the United States at this point or a little earlier than this point and try to reclaim something? He has to be aware that the Vietnam veteran situation in the America in this time period is different than it was in the beginning of this character's as we saw him on film. But what what's he going to do here? What what kind of life would he have in the states? I, I have no idea. But farming potatoes in Arizona with his dad. I mean, he he said he couldn't get a job here parking cars, and at least there he can drive boats. But wait a second, Arnie. That, that again, that was in the first movie that he talked about that kind of stuff back in that time. It is now 2007 or 2008 when this movie is taking place. He has to know that, or he at least find out if he really wanted to, that times have changed enough that he can go back to America and maybe try to reclaim some part of life if he chose to. You're saying you feel sorry for the guy being here. I got the impression you mean he was stuck there. He had opportunity to leave if he wanted to. I, I don't mean geographically. I mean emotionally. Yes. Okay. But you can still in the in the in the time between Rambo three and now the world has changed. And in, in for for him as an American veteran of Vietnam, he can go back home at some point and and perhaps get some sort of something that would be better than when he went back the first time from Vietnam in the late 70s, in the first movie. Well, we see the dream sequence where he's plagued by these dreams of violence. And did you guys notice they actually included a scene from the alternate ending of Rambo where Troutman shoots him? I did notice that. Yeah. And also, wasn't that when he confronted himself saying, I don't kill for my country, I kill for me? Didn't he say that in that montage? Which also was a flag to me. This movie is different than the character of Rambo that we saw before, because he's admitting finally that he's killing for himself but not for his country which was i found odd but i want to get back to that in a second the flashback scenes right thing is right out of rocky balboa right it's exactly the same thing he used in rocky balboa to the style of showing the flashbacks with those quick cuts in the black and white and it has to be said that he's using the same device brock i want to pick up what you said with i think the change that they make to rambo's psyche in this movie you know in the first one i very much saw him as you know frankenstein's monster he's this victim of his country's politics of his country's attitude toward him of his military training that's kind of made him into this monster mm-hmm. and this film you know there's the line you killed for yourself and he comes to terms with that that he did what he did because he enjoys killing and i didn't like that change to me now it's just rambo is this monster we've talked about you know rambo the movie as a horror film that's what this whole scene did for me is now he is this monster that just wanted to kill he joined the military because he did want to be a baby killer he did want to just go out and kill people and be violent and he it makes him much less sympathetic in my view and it, it makes you know when we get into the end of this film and, and for whatever his reason of his change of heart, I don't get it. I don't see what the arc that took him from being this monster where he could say, I kill for myself, to being this person that wants to reconcile himself with his country. I completely agree with you. Arnie says a lot in other podcasts, I find it a betrayal of what came before. This is the epitome of that. Now, wait a minute. Now, you also could make the argument that the guy went to the bottom of the barrel before he can come back up again. He has hit rock bottom. But I didn't like that line in here at all, and I question why it was here, considering everything else we've seen from the Rambo character in the other three movies. And 
You know, David Morrell has said that he finds this to be the closest portrayal to Rambo on screen as his original novel. The lost, disaffected, violent guy. So mm-hmm. I don't see it as a portrayal at all of the character. And, but we're and, talking about the movies, not right. the book. I, I right. say it also goes back to that original movie, is what I'm saying. The original movie, he said he was conditioned to do that, and he tried to fight that conditioning as far as from the movie I watched, that he didn't want any problems. He didn't want anything. He was pushed and pushed and pushed until he went back into that mode when he was in the forest. Same thing here. He keeps getting pushed. Sarah keeps pushing, pushing, take us to Burma. And then he has to go and be pushed to rescue them in Burma. Yeah, but he he doesn't spare a bunch of Burmese uh, soldiers' lives to show them that, hey, I can kill you guys. Why don't you let the missionaries go? Well, that's because they're foreigners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and this, you know, you brought that up with Rambo, too. I feel this movie really crosses that line with a, a lot of those Hollywood stereotypes where it's, uh, we could kill them this time because they're not white. And they're ultra evil. They have they sex just, with boys. And they, and, they, and they shoot innocent villagers and things like that. And their pigs eat flesh. Yeah. Apparently, that is also true about the pigs. I don't doubt that. I just think it's thrown <laughs> in. Look how creepy this place is. Their pigs are eating meat. In America, it's the humans that eat the pigs. I thought that the scene where the missionaries are captured, you know, we'd seen the brutality before. They just keep upping it, though. I mean, in the middle of torturing the town, they're raping the women. Just they don't even wait. They're just going to rape them right there. And picking up the boy and throwing him in the burning building. I'm not easily shocked. This shocked me. I wasn't offended, but I was shocked. I'll agree. As much as I didn't like the extreme violence, there were those moments where I'm like, damn, they went there. Like like you said, when they just take that kid and toss him in the burning building. I actually thought some of those moments were effective. I, I think a lot of the violence just took it too far. But I think there were times where they used some really effective moments of violence to show how far these people were willing to go. Yes, I agree. And remember I told you before I was sitting there with my mouth agape? This is the scene I was sitting there with my mouth agape. I was like, oh, my God. Whoa. Like, it, I was just, just amazed about that, what, what I was seeing in this scene. And when I was watching it the second time, I, it had been a year or so since I'd seen it the first time. I couldn't quite remember what happened to Sarah during all of this. And I'm like, does she stay hidden in the dirt and they think she's dead? Because I didn't see them taking any prisoners the way they were going. Yeah, I question why all of the missionaries were captured. Did you understand why they were all captured? I understood why she was captured. Some were killed. I, I assumed it was going to be a hostage thing where they try to get money for the Americans. That's never said, though. I just assume that. Now, I I do have a a question. Are we supposed to think Sarah was probably raped 50 to 100 times before she was rescued? Because, you know, Rambo screams they'd rape her 50 times. You see them, while attacking the town, raping Burmese women. You don't think they'd wait all that long for the white one. I totally assume that. And again, that's part of my problem is they're willing to push it with the violence, but... You know, there's the scene where they're in the uh, military camp and they start raping all the women. And for some reason, a guy sets off a smoke thing. So a lot of the the rape scenes are covered. And it just made me quite why, you know, uh, of course, it's probably because they wanted to avoid an NC-17 rating. But, yeah, it seems like they kind of back off on the sexual violence stuff, but they're willing to push the physical violence part of this movie so far. But I totally assume that Sarah had been raped over and over while she was in that camp. She looked better then I think she would if she was, but I got the assume- assumption as well. I mean, she wasn't playing it like Jodie Foster in The Accused. So, and thank God for that. But 
She didn't play it like she got raped, but I just couldn't see how she wouldn't get raped, you know? I agree with you. I think she looked better than a woman who got raped 50 times, but my mind was thinking, gosh, she must have been already raped. But she had her, she saw her pants on, you know? I mean, I, mean, I don't want to... I know, I'm, thinking, I'm right there with you, Brock. Uh, I, I don't want to get too horribly graphic, but right. the, the, the pants weren't soaked with blood. You know, it's like the movie shied away from it, but yet they're the ones who bring up rape. You know, it's not like I'm coming into this movie going, where's the rape? You know, they bring up rape, they show rape, and then they capture the white woman. So it's like it had to, right? Yeah, I mean, in the, in the film, I just don't think it's being honest with how far it's willing to take some stuff, but then it's going to pull back on other issues. If you want to bring about how horrible all this violence and rape in Burma is, well, show it then. Don't pull back. Don't, you know, if if you're willing to cross the line, cross the line. But it's such a tightrope because if we see Julie Penns with blood-soaked pants and battered and barely able to walk conscious because she's been beaten so badly, do you run the risk of alienating the audience? Well, yeah, because, again, this is Rambo, and its primary reason to be on the screen is to entertain. And now it's gotten too serious for a Rambo film. That's why just with this film, it, it wants its blood-soaked cake, and, and it wants to eat it, too. I think if they toned down the violence a little bit, then you wouldn't be questioning this at all, right? If they hadn't brought up rape and shown rape, I wouldn't be thinking rape. Exactly. If they brought it to the table twice. Yeah, that's true. It had nothing to do with any of the other violence and all the giblets all over my screen. It had everything to do with them keep saying rape, rape. We see the little boy going into the general's cabin and presume rape. So rape is all over the place. And so, so why they didn't go there with the Sarah character, you know, and we even see... Later in the film, and I don't want to get to this just yet, but when they're rescuing Sarah, you see the other Burmese women forced to do like this dance and then a gang rape. And that's all shown. And it's like, okay, but what about the white woman? It it would have been so easy to have a throwaway line where like one of the commanders is like saving her for himself. Or even if it was General Tint saying, I'm saving her for me, and then actually going to the little boys, that might have been a way to do it. But they don't reference it at all. So the mercenaries come, and Rambo's going back in with the mercenaries, and Brock, all I could think of was like the beginning of Predator, where you have every tough stereotype. You've got the brainy one, you've got <laughs> yes. the British one. Not the same thing. You've got yeah. the white trash one. It was a little bit more multi-ethnic than Predator, but that was about it. It was like Predator meets Lost. Yes, but I like this band of guys. I, I understood them as soon as we met them. I, I thought the loudmouth was going to die because he's being such a loudmouth. I wish they'd gotten some names. You know, I know Stallone would go on to make the Expendables. I kind of wish these guys had been the Expendables. So you could have had some other people we knew to really get the impression that they might be as tough as Rambo. See, I didn't think they were because, I mean, they're, they find out that they're going to have to go up against a hundred Burmese soldiers and they're like, oh, we're no way. We're not doing this. And the guy's finally like, well, we took the money. We'll check it out first. And Rambo, we've seen him take on the whole Soviet army. Um, so I never once thought they were tougher than Rambo. I, I didn't like this group. They were just, they were generic besides the one head guy with his, you know, British or Australian, whatever that accent was. They were just throwaway. I really thought he was Aussie, but the actor is British, and they said he's SAS, which is British. Oh, I thought he was New Zealand. I got New Zealand off him. Yeah, the, the guy himself, it's not like he's affecting a bad accent. The guy's from England, so we're just coming. These guys are stock characters, Jacob. 
I, I can't deny no. that. But I, I enjoyed it. These what guys did you enjoy? Good. What did they do that you enjoyed? They didn't well, do anything. Well, I liked them on the boat. I liked their banter. I, I liked their tough guy back and forth. You know, the lead guy was a bit of a douchebag, the way he was just picking a fight with Rambo and saying he could swim faster than this. I think they let that go on a little too long. But I like the group of cocky, tough, take-no-shit guys. They had a good chemistry. I bought them, you know. The problem is they're never developed. I mean, I had to look on Wikipedia to find out that the lead British guy is Lewis. I couldn't tell you any of their names except for Schoolboy. And Is that the sniper guy? Yeah. Yeah. And he's the only one you like because he stays behind to say, you know, when Rambo's running late, he's the one that stays behind to help him out. I mean, that that's their character development here is I like the sniper guy because he helped Rambo. I mean, that that's... How how invested I was in that group of mercenaries. But don't forget, though, we have brought before, this is kind of like a horror movie in a lot of ways. I thought this was another group to get killed. That's At this time, I thought, okay, so we're not getting a lot of these people anyway because most of them are going to die anyway. That's what I was thinking. I thought the same thing. I thought that we'd see this group of badasses, this commando unit, we'd see them get torn apart, and then Rambo would go in and do what all of them couldn't. I was shocked that the majority of the mercs lived. Yeah, and they seemed yeah, to be I, quite... I quite uh, Rambo-esque in them not giving up and shooting what they can and uh, being inventive in how they get the kills. I, I thought that when the mercenaries were uh, with their backs against the wall, a lot of them proved quite clever and, and all that kind of stuff. So it, it was interesting. And despite his on-boat douchebaggery, even the British guy, Lewis, wins you around when he's got one leg blown apart, but he's taking a guy down with a headbutt and doing everything he can. You're cheering for him. Yeah. I like the Asian guy. I was, I was like, when he died, I'm like, oh, that's too bad. I liked him. Yeah, and that's the thing is they're just a bunch of stereotypes. I'm not saying, hey, I mean, come on. We watched Fire the 13th, right? We saw the Asian guy got it there, too. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I liked him. I, I, again, like I said before, I like that when they got to the camp and the Burmese come, these tough guys hide behind a wall. It, you know, it added some realism that they're not just like, we're so tough, we're going to take on the Burmese army. They're like, oh, shit, we got to get out of here. <laughs> and, and I agree. I did like that. I like that they were kind of pussies when, when it came <laughs> down to it. I mean, well, they're not pussies. I, I mean. I just consider it a more realistic portrayal. They're not but, but Rambo. When you're, when you're, when you're, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was a nice contrast to what you expect from Rambo. And they kind of put up that front. And then when it comes to throw down, they're not Rambo. So I, I kind of did like that dynamic. It's just I, I didn't get invested in the characters at all because the movie didn't get invested in them. It didn't do anything. With them. Very, very that's fair. <laughs> Can't argue with that. <laughs> So Rambo, at, uh, as he escapes with Julie Benz late, everyone else leaves at 15 minutes and makes their mark. He's, he's running late, and he's about to sacrifice himself over this woman and get saved by the sniper. And that was an interesting moment for me. Rambo getting saved by somebody else. Now, we have saw him last movie get saved by somebody else. The Mujahideen. But this time, I was surprised Rambo found himself in that predicament at all. See, I, I knew there was going to be some out because it's a Rambo film. I didn't think he was sacrificing himself. I'm like, oh, someone's going to show up and shoot the bad guys and save him. And I don't know. It was just too cliche for me. But Rambo was there accepting death. And we haven't seen Rambo do that. before. No, he accepted in the last one when they what do we do? Fuck him. We're going to jump out of this trench and just shoot. And if we die, we die. You know, and I'm going to run my tank into that chopper. And if I die, I die. Yeah, I mean, right, I mean, he was that. willing to go deep into the Burmese jungle because he liked a white woman, thought she was cute. Sometimes his survival skills aren't the best. 
you know, the whole thing about his relationship with her, even in the extended cut, which I think really anyone who's watching this, I think, should see the extended cut because the cut scenes really add a lot to Rambo's motivation. There's a couple more scenes before that he takes Sarah on the boat because there's in the version, Brock, that you saw and that I saw originally, Rambo's just like, you want to change what is. And that's kind of where it ends. It goes into a lot more detail about what what is means in the extended version. It added a lot for me, but it still didn't add enough for me to really get what Rambo attachment was to Sarah. And I think the default we're all thinking is, well, he was hot for Sarah. But I don't think that was it. I don't think that because when it was all done, she and Michael were reunited and Rambo didn't even have a wistful look on his face. Rambo had found some kind of peace and decided to go back home. It was something more. It just wasn't well-defined. Mm. There's a lot of the stuff in this film that's not well-defined, which is my problem. I mean, the, the runtime is short on this film. It, I think, comes in around 80 minutes. Yeah, it's Rambo-length, 90 minutes. The extended cut's about 100. Okay. It, this one just seemed really short for some reason. And it just, I don't understand what turned him from being a monster to this guy who wants to return home. I don't understand why he ends up helping the missionaries. The only thing I understand about him is why he wants to team up with the mercenaries, and that's because he's a monster and he likes to kill people. That's the only thing that made sense. Everything else, you know, they they say a lot of lines that sound neat and philosophical, but they're really not if you pay attention to them. I think he didn't team up with the mercenaries because he's a monster. He teamed up with the mercenaries because he cared about Sarah, if none of the other missionaries. Uh, but again, we don't know why he actually cares about Sarah. She touched him in some way that we don't get. But I think what it comes down to at the end is that he, you know, his line, live for nothing, die for something, he realized that he was basically the walking dead. He was living for nothing. He was just going through the motions of life. And he decided to try to live for something. What was he living for? Killing a bunch of foreigners again? No, going back home and seeing dad and trying to find a family connection. But he could have done that without ever going back with the mercenaries to save the missionaries. I mean, that's totally arbitrary. I, I, I just don't get the connection what his something is, because what I see in the film is his something is I'm going to save these missionaries, I'm going to kill people because I'm Rambo, that's what I've done for the last three films, <laughs> and then I'm going to go home to my dad for some reason. Like I, I don't get what the thread that connects all that stuff together. She said to him that. it's not too late to go home, and, and she asked about something, he said, oh, my father's somewhere at home in Arizona or something. I think he I, mentioned father. I get the, father. the words. No, yeah. I get that. I don't get the motivation behind why he does anything. I I understand they set up that he has a dad. I yeah, get that. You're right. I, I'm with you, Jacob. It's not clearly defined, and it's a mixture of writing and portrayal because a better actor could have added things that weren't on the page, and a better writer would have put them on the page. And here we're left to kind of color it in. Was he hot for Sarah? I don't know. After this conversation, I'm kind of thinking perhaps Sarah was the closest thing he'd had to any form of human connection, and he just remembered a slight bit of his own humanity, decided he wanted to save her for that, and then continue human connections by going home to his familial connection. I'm giving this movie a lot by saying that. Which is great, because none of that's on the screen. Yeah, none of it. I, I, I just made all that shit up. <laughs> not in the theatrical cut, not in the extended cut, no Not cut. in the commentaries. <laughs> It's not anywhere. I'm retconning this movie for it. <laughs> this is in the Arnie cut. Yes. So they're running from the Burmese. 
And Rambo, for a moment, I thought he set off a nuke. No, no, no. And then I thought, I didn't realize he put the claymore on that bomb that they dropped a line about earlier in the movie. And I'm like, what the fuck kind of claymore is that? And finally, yeah. I figured it all out. When they, they dropped the line about the drop the bomb, I didn't realize that they were going to bring it back, but they did. And I thought that was good. I For life of me, I should have figured out they were going to bring that bomb back. But I thought it was can an interesting effect. Yeah, I know. Of all the things I missed, can you believe that? I missed that one. In Greenwriting 101. No, I thought it was social commentary about how war has plagued Burma for decades. Thank you, Arnie. See, there's a sign of war. We're walking past war. War has been here forever. I didn't see it coming back in and blowing the fuck up. Arnie and I, exactly the same thing. Yeah, but usually I pick up on this shit, and this time I didn't. <laughs> so I call myself out. In fact, I so didn't pick up on it, I had to rewind to figure out what the fuck just blew up. <laughs> Because I thought it was a claymore, and I'm like, all right, I'll go with a 50 caliber bullet ripping limbs off, but I cannot go with a claymore causing the earth to ripple. <laughs> yeah, I had flashbacks of uh, Predator 1 here, where Sly is trying to outrun the nuclear blast or something, just like Arnold had to. And then he gets that 50 caliber gun and blows people apart. Yeah. Yeah, from what, like 10, 15 minutes? This, for me, this is, you know, again, this is where it just goes over the line. It's seems to go on for a long time and it's rambo holding a gun just mowing people down i don't know how he missed the people on his side but it's just mowing people down for 10 minutes it's not entertaining it's not creative yeah it's, it's really game. bloody and gory yeah and i don't really play video games so it didn't hold any appeal to me how much fun is it to watch someone else play a video game anyways? All right. I enjoyed this. I really did. Okay. Arnie likes to watch people play video games. No, I do not like to watch people play video games, but I liked the scene. I liked the whole thing. I thought it was a good case of action because, yes, people were getting blown away. It was more extreme than before, but it was not the same thing over and over again. We got to see the sniper get some. We got to see the Brit get some. We got to see, you know, Rambo ran out of bullets. How often in these movies does Rambo ever run out of bullets? But well, he Rambo reloads the gun. It was just temporary. But in the and in the meantime, when Rambo had to reload the gun, the battle turned tide. The army started winning. The first mercenaries started getting killed because Rambo wasn't shooting. Did you notice that? Well, yeah, and they were also able to turn their fire on him, and that's when he had to start doing the thing Rambo does best, and that's dodge bullets. But he gets hit. He gets hit once. Yep. Yeah. And his arm didn't fly off. Well, it was uh, not a fifty caliber bullet. <laughs> True, and it, it, I got the impression it just kind of skinned him, actually, I thought. but Eddie is Rambo. Now, Jacob, I want to go back to something you said in part two, because I, I was thinking about something you said about the homoeroticism of these films and Rambo with his knife. I, I completely dismissed that for the whole series. I think you're wrong. Except when Rambo stabs Tint. Because as we said earlier, Tint is a child molester. I think here Tint was having a ironic death. By being penetrated? Yep. In the bowels? Yep. <laughs> That's what I think. He was eviscerated. He was virtually cut in half. It was more than that. It was like, if you watch it, it looks like his body is... Just like his knife would have done to a young boy. <laughs> That's not what I was saying. <laughs> but it was like his body was tearing in half because of Rambo's machete knife. But 
I did think because every single other person was shot, but he was stabbed and it's like held in there and it, it just given such a thing. I think that there may have been some subtext to that. Yes. Well, it, and we didn't talk about the knife. We've always talked about the knife. The knife this time is like just this homemade machete axe or something that he blacksmithed himself. Very different than the rest of the films or their military type knives. But I actually kind of like this kill. He slices his stomach and then he like kicks him and the body twists. It's like Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace. The body twists and kind of tears. Up. You know, again, maybe because it wasn't just a bullet going through and there's some kind of physical action that caused it. This is one of the few moments of extreme violence that I enjoyed, if that's the right word, but, but that didn't turn me off. And another original death that Rambo had here at the end, he ripped out a throat like Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Yeah. Or like McGruber. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I didn't like that. I guess with Hero or the good guy, there's certain violence that's acceptable. But again, we keep going back to this horror thing where, you know, we're rooting for him to kill people. And I guess, you know, this is a slasher film almost. And you got to go with those gruesome kills. I mean, that that one, that, that was pretty intense. I kind of went with it. Although, again, I just I, I had that roadhouse flashback. I'm like, it, it was almost a joke that because Patrick Swayze ripped out that guy's throat. I'm like, well, here they're trying to play it not for laughs. That's intriguing. But I enjoyed the variety of Rambo's methods of killing. I was glad that it wasn't just screaming while he pulled the trigger. But he did do a heck of a lot of that in that last scene. I mean, I mean, yeah, the, guy, the last 10 minutes of the film, he re really did. I mean, yes. Did he rip a guy's throat out? Yes. Did he eviscerate the other guy? Yes. Did he use a bow and arrow to, through a guy's head, which was freaking awesome shot. The guys had the arrow through his head. Yes. But for the majority of the kills that Rambo racks up, he went to town with that 50 caliber. I mean, come on. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. But in a movie that kind of tried to be realistic, it's really the only way they would have beaten all these things. Or a big bomb. Well, yes. And a big bomb. So during this final battle, though, we also have a character who had a bit more of a recognizable arc than Rambo. Michael picks up a stone and bashes a Burmese military man's head in. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie High Noon, but it has to do with pacifism and violence and, you know, when, when can you take a life? And that, again, I talked about this being the grim and gritty Rambo, as odd as that may sound. Uh, but, you know, it, it took me back. This is the grim and gritty High Noon as well. You have the pacifist, the Christian that doesn't believe in killing. And now he's going to kill a guy in the most gruesome way. Again, it's just another instance of this movie going too far for me. I didn't pick up the high noon correlation, although very good movie. Love that movie. It's been done. This has been a it's a cliche. I didn't like it. It felt preachy to me. It yeah. felt just as cliched here as it did in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. And no better here, even though this is a far better movie and a more well-made movie. It was just that same exact arc. That's why I referenced Texas Chainsaw 3 is because it was so bad. It was out of that movie in this one. And then right after that, when she and him reunite, he only gives her like a quick moment and then goes back to helping people, you know, because they're injured. It, obviously, he's not going to change everything about himself. And it was a moment of that sort of rage, that sort of need to, to purge whatever he was doing. But I didn't like it for that character. In Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, it seemed to me that it was more of a survival thing than here. You, know? you didn't think this was survival? Yeah, he was in fucking Burma <laughs> under gunfire. No, no, no. But he he was getting attacked, right? And then he hit him, and then he kept on going and going and going and going. So eventually it was, if it was self-defense, which it probably was, obviously, they're in the middle of a war, it turned from self-defense into rage. 
Well, yes, and that's why the character had an arc, is he was the one who decried killing the most, and then he gave in to the same instincts in him that were in Rambo. And you like this? No, not at all. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I'm I didn't just like saying that. it was there. Okay, okay. I, I thought it was completely cheesy. And- I, I mean, but bringing up the whole taking a life is never right thing, the logical conclusion is either what they did with Michael or Rambo going about some pacifist way at the end. And I don't know, using pacifist methods, uh, a sit down protest to defeat the Burmese. I mean, there's only one of two ways that could have gone. Or you could use a kata. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> also, I, I thought. I mean, I know they wanted to keep it open-ended so they can do a Rambo 5, but I saw the connection between the first movie and this movie in that he's walking down a road with a big sack on his back. You know, See, I thought this was going to loop around and he was going to get hassled by a cop at the end and then it would end. And it's like this eternal Rambo loop. That'd be a funny ending. <laughs> that would be funny. Like, I was so hoping that was going to be the end. I'm like, that would just make this whole thing surreal and worth it. So, Arnie, Jacob, do you recommend Rambo? Jacob. Look, I talked about th- this isn't my aesthetic. You know, the, the violence was is just too much for me for what I associate this character with, which it's a character known for violence. But this kind of just really extreme violence, not really my thing. It, it turned me off. Uh, I thought the writing wasn't there. I, we talked about it. I didn't understand Rambo's motivations. I didn't understand why he decided to help the missionaries, why he decided to go home at the end. You know, it's a very slick looking movie. Just not enough to keep me entertained again we talked about what that word entertained me not necessarily raw raw yay people are getting shot but it, it just wasn't there wasn't enough there to hold my interest so nope i do not recommend rambo or john rambo or rambo to hell and back <laughs> arnie yes i recommend rambo for rambo john rambo to hell and back <laughs> i enjoy watching this movie because i think it does a lot of things right And as Jacob said earlier, it's a short movie and it does entertain and engross me for its running time. I've seen this movie now three times and once before, twice for this podcast. And it keeps me engrossed every time. Every time I'm shocked and appalled and engrossed and entertained. And it has a lot going for it. I think it has fairly good performances. It's not a perfect movie. We have called out every single one of its flaws that I saw. But I like it. I think it's very well done. It's Rambo for the 21st century, and it works. Recommend solidly. And I liked a lot of things about this movie. I I can't believe how engrossed I was in this movie, but at the same time, I just was shocked about the kind of violence I was watching and the fact that it kept on going and going. I think he made his point, and he kept on making his point, and... I came to the same conclusion that Stallone used as people called an excuse as to why there was so much violence here. But as far as recommending this to people to watch, I give it a weak not recommend. I'm like right on the border here because we've seen much worse movies. And this movie is pretty well made. And there's, as Arnie said, there are some good performances in it. Some of the action's quite good. I just think that he could have toned down the violence on this one. And he could have toned down the imagery and still had made his point. So I, I wasn't offended by the violence. And it certainly was appalling things to watch. I, never once was I at the point where it, it gets to me where I understood what he was doing. I understood it. I just don't agree with the way he did it. So I give it a weak, weak, not recommend. So, guys, with that behind us, we know that the future looks bleak for John Rambo. He's gone back home, and I don't think he's, you know, much like my dog as a kid. He went to the farm to run free, and I don't think I'll ever see him again. Isn't going to the farm a metaphor when your, like, pet dies? And Oh, they went to Grandma's farm. 
That's what that's what I was saying. Yes. <laughs> if you bring him back, what's the reason? He's no longer in Thailand, you know. <laughs> so is he going to have to fight some sort of American threat? Well, the original plot for this was actually that he was in America, and like his friend's daughter went to Mexico and got kidnapped by cartels, and Rambo had to go rescue her. That's pretty relevant for what's going on right now at the Mexican border. Yeah. So they could do that. It's like Taken, though. Only heads would explode. But yeah, just yeah. like Taken. Well, it's, it's, sim- it's similar to Taken. Well, there's a kidnapping. It's also like Frantic. <laughs> but it's an action film. I mean, I, there's not that many different plots. True. Yeah, you, you have some sort of catalyst to get to the situation where the shitstorm is. <laughs> I mean, do you, do, you, do you want to see Rambo take on Al-Qaeda? Well, Superman tried to get world peace by throwing away nuclear weapons. Of course, we want him to solve all our problems in the world. I think it'd be kind of interesting if you have Colonel Troutman Jr. come by and say, hey, my dad likes you. Can you help me out? You might as well have any other cliche plot you can get Rambo into a shitstorm for. I'm all for Am I the only one who wished that when he went to the father's house instead of R. Rambo on the mailbox that it said Troutman? I thought that would have been nice if he was going back to Troutman. That that would have been interesting. That that would have actually got me interested in a possible sequel if that was followed up. Somehow. I mean, they can't do it because Richard Crenn has passed away. They could pick up the next one with the death of Troutman. But, you know, I always felt like Troutman was more of a father figure to Rambo than Rambo's own dad. Yeah. So I I would have preferred to see him going home to Troutman than going home to some R. Rambo that we'd never heard of before. Rocky Rambo? (laughs) I don't know. But we did this series because it's one of the iconic 80s series, but I don't know that it would have been as in our minds if it hadn't been for this latest installment. No, I mean, I think this latest one, I mean, I hadn't thought of Rambo in 20 years until the newest movie came out. I still thought Rambo was iconic, though. I could still spot a homage or a parody of one of those films if it was used in a a recent movie. But for a generation under us, I don't know if they knew what Rambo was or they they probably knew the name, but they, they probably never seen the films. You know, Death Wish had five sequels, remember? And they believe, I believe they started in the 70s. And so by the time they got around the Death Wish 4 or 5, I always thought that was, you know, a series that older people like. You know what I mean? Kind of same thing with Rambo, I guess, that people think that's nowadays kids don't want probably not going to watch Rambo or because it's such a long time ago and it's a little bit cliched at this point. But I would like to think that if we're getting around to doing all the iconic series, we would have got around here eventually to Rambo. Whether or not we did it now because of the more recent film, you're probably right. I don't know if they could do another one of these. I don't think I'd buy another one of these. I don't really know. It really depends on the plot. And I hope next time if they do a next one that they really take time with the script and really do something. But I always say that, don't I? <laughs> I mean, I wish that for every film. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> what, that it's well written? <laughs> yeah, I really do. And I, I really think that Rambo, well written, as we've seen, can be a really dynamic character. Since we've reviewed this film, you know, we talked at the very first podcast about how they were going to make Rambo versus the alien, not like alien from aliens, but an alien. Can you imagine going from this realistic, gritty war drama to Rambo versus Predator, that would just like the whiplash would be headache inducing. Well, one of the things watching all these Rambo films, you know, is that and we talked about this is that they're all kind of tied into real life situations, you know, with the Soviets in the 80s with, you know, these 
Burmese soldiers, which is based in reality, you know, to what extent that's debatable. But all these are based somewhat in reality, which I never, I guess, really realized until I sat down and watched all these in a relatively short period. They try to tackle topics that, that were somewhat relevant. So, yeah, if you all of a sudden brought in a predator or whatever, it it's not Rambo anymore to me. I mean, that's the one thing. If I have to string a thread that connects all these films together, it's that they're somewhat based in reality. And once you remove that, it's not Rambo anymore. Now it's just a, a generic Sylvester Stallone playing another action hero. Yeah, it wouldn't fit this series at all. And and in fact, it's telling that what they were doing was buying some script that was already around and shoehorning John Rambo in, kind of like they did to Simon Says with Die Hard and with Avengers. Well, I'm still glad that we visited Rambo. It was good to kind of go back to the 80s and I... I I recommended three out of the four films, so I had a good time. Yeah, I'm really happy I got a chance to watch this series, much like when we watch the horror series I've never seen. This one from more from me than those in that I've always been curious about these. Everyone have seen these except me, apparently, and from my from my time. And so it's really, even though I didn't have as good a time as I was hoping to have with these, I'm really, really happy I got a chance to watch these. And I'm really happy I got a chance to watch First Blood because that is a movie I am going to revisit. Yeah, and, you know, I came in as a skeptic. I'm still not a huge Rambo fan. I, I recommended two out of the four. But even three I found interesting just because of current politics. But uh, I, I think John Rambo as a character, I think he's an interesting character. I wish he was better written to explore what he is and, and where he came from and, and how he got to where he wants to return home to his father's farm. Uh, but it's a character who I, I am interested in. I can see myself maybe sitting down with the books and, and reading those to, just because I, I think there's something to Rambo. And I recommend that you do, especially the original First Blood. And if you want to hear my reviews of all the books, go to booksandnachos.com, where I've been reviewing all three of these novelizations by David Morell, his original novel on which the movie was based, and then his two follow-up novels, which were based on the movie. And coming out the same day as this Rambo podcast, I have an interview with Mr. Morell. He was kind enough to talk to me about Rambo, the films, the book, the cartoon. So it was really a pleasure to talk to him. Check that all out at booksandnachos.com. And if you want to hear the rest of this series or other series we've done in the past, retrospective series such as Terminator, Star Trek, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, you can find all of those in our archive section at nowplayingpodcast.com. And also at nowplayingpodcast.com, you can find links to our Facebook page, our Twitter feed. You can find a, a link to the donate button, which helps keep Now Playing going. All of these things can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Listen for nothing or donate for something. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, I'm really happy we had a chance to get back together again and do another series. And we're going to do another series. The three of us? Yeah, the three of us. We're going from gritty reality to cyberspace. Ooh. We're reviewing the social network again? <laughs> no. Oh. We're turning our tracker on for Tron. Well, I have my Frisbee up the ready. I got my light cycle rev. <laughs> and, 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 and I've got my black light neon clothing all on. Excellent. Are you smoking pot again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. So we're going to reconvene the three of us for Tron on the next show. And we'll talk to you then. <laughs> You did everything to make this private war happen. You've done enough damage. This mission is over, Rambo. Do you understand me? This mission is over. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's Rambo Retrospective Series. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Nothing is over! Nothing! You just don't turn it off! You asked me, I didn't ask you! You can find the other episodes in this Rambo Retrospective Series at NowPlayingPodcast.com in the archive section, as well as our review of other classic movie series including Predator, Terminator, Star Trek, The Karate Kid, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and many more. You're the only one I trust. Be sure to visit BooksAndNachos.com to hear Arnie's reviews of each of David Morrell's Rambo novels and an interview with the author. I'm just amazed that he allowed any of your posse to live. You're lucky to be breathing. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a positive review for us on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed can be found at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. I'm giving you a direct order to withdraw from this project. You can also support Now Playing by making a donation using the donate button at the bottom of our homepage. Your donations help keep Now Playing on the air. John, I told you that I'd help you when I could. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post new episodes and the Now Playing hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. If you're looking for trouble, you came to the right place, buddy. Now Playing presents the Rambo Retrospective Series podcasts are edited by Jay, Arnie, and Brock. And there isn't one of us that doesn't want to be someplace else, but this is what we do. The Rambo films are the intellectual property of their respective trademark holders, and no infringement is intended. I'm telling you the law, I hear it's me. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinions of Venganza Media Incorporated. Live for nothing or die for something. Now playing is copyright and trademarked Venganza Media Incorporated 2010, all rights reserved. Tim Kang, Paul Schultz, Schultzen, Tim Kang. And, and Stallone does not have the same physique that he did in 88 or 85 or even 83 or 82, whichever the correct date was. There's nobody <laughs> out to get me on Mount Everest. Mount Everest is you against nature. Well, the Yetis. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I guess there's Wampa too, but... <laughs> Just a little levity. Never killed anybody except Rambo. <laughs> and some Burmese. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say intellectually honest because I don't think there's anything intellectual about this film, but I they did that with this movie? No, they were going to with the Rambo versus Predator. I see. Okay. It was some book or script that was optioned around and they're like, hey, we could just do that and make the hero Rambo instead of whoever it is. Yeah, they did the same thing with Ocean's 12. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. Ocean's 12 was a script on the shelf and they... There is a book about a movie starring Julia Roberts where Julia Roberts was scamming Julia Roberts. Clearly, of course, they changed some things in the script, <laughs> just like they did with Simon Says. But the meat of the story was a, uh, one of those scripts on the shelf on the next show. But until then, oh, you already did the listen to our old stuff. No, I know. But until then, oh, okay. we will load the guns. I got nothing. And okay. we'll talk to you then. And we'll talk to you then. <laughs> That's my standby, but I always try to find something fun. I never can. I try to tie it into the series as a whole, and past couple of times I've tried that, it doesn't work.